our attention to what's arising in our own mind stream, it's good to wait for the period, wait for the full completeness of the situation to occur. This is a what seems to be an aspect or a quality, a quality of that when you're really doing that is it's very, very spacious. Even though what's arising might be someone's dynamic, maybe very uh, fearful, claustrophobic, um, uh, full of themselves, full of the thought patterns are confused and are about presenting something that is uh, distorted or without maybe the person who's talking really knowing that. But there seems to be a tremendous amount of spaciousness around what is being said. This is the, the nature of, uh, of generosity, of actually giving your attention to everything that is happening. And if that's occurring, if, that's, if you're doing that, and it's more of a non-doing than a doing, it's just a being aware of that, being aware, giving your attention to the quality, the openness that is happening. Even when someone is upset with you, someone is accusing you or saying, why didn't you, you thought you were going to do that? They kind of have this astonished kind of scolding kind of situation. There's a tremendous amount of space around. Unless you're sucked in by it and you're trying to defend yourself or explain. Uh, if you think there's someone there, you'll defend. If you think there's someone here, you'll promote. This is called ego. It's a very, very subtle situation that's going on. Uh, I'm going to use a, a quote from a famous, not famous, but well-known person right now, and you'll recognize it. Believe me, recognize that. Make a statement and say, believe me, if someone does that, they are uh, lying to you. That's why they have to say that. It's not Their word is not enough. They have to push something further because they, on some level, they realize they're lying. They're, they, real, they realize we really know that we're nobody. That's why there's so much self-centeredness going on. It's because we have to completely fill up that emptiness with something, with something. The existentialists back in the turn of the last century, the beginning of the last century, were on to something there when they talked about the um, existence precedes essence, that we're here and we don't know what this is. So we make up stuff, philosophy, psychology, radiology, ontology, epistemology, crapatology, know about that one, zoology for uh, the study of Zen. Mm-hmm. Something like that. We allogize everything and so that we can get some kind of a handle on what this is. And my function here as a Dharma teacher with no credentials at all, I don't even belong to the Soto Zen Buddhist Association, as you may have been told by people who are trying to get you to study under them. Credentials are unreal. Ego is unreal. I'm not saying that it isn't there. We're saying, I'm saying it's being said. It's unreal. It's not substantial. That's why it needs to be promoted. That's why we promote it ourselves. That's why we have these kind of, uh, what was the title of the talk? That's why we remix the thoughts, because the first thought isn't best. We need more thoughts in there about it to help us uh, promote our agenda of somebody getting somewhere, somebody losing, somebody confused, somebody, somebody. We don't care. We'll, we'll settle for just somebody. Give me somebody. This uh, openness, emptiness without reference point is just too frightening. Yes, sir. Um, could you say more about what you mean when you say not substantial ego, not substantial? 
needs to be supported by our philosophy, our psychology, our promotion, our stories about ourselves. You can it shows up in this in the in the most ordinary everyday conversation. If someone says something, they'll say, "You know what I'm saying?" Or do you understand? Or they'll, they'll, they want to know. They want more from you. They're not willing to ha- have your lack of understanding or apparent lack of understanding. They need to have some kind of interaction. Quite often in relationships, if the relationship you're having difficulty uh, and it starts to settle, but it's possible that you or the other person will try to kick up more. They like that feeling of an argument or warfare. At least, at least you're defending yourself more. Shoto. Said, uh, we do something this first thought is not enough when this first thought be- immediately as soon as you think that's the first thought that's the second thought so we have to start somewhere so this is why trunk Rinpoche, that was not Allen ginsburg that quoted that that was Allen ginsburg quoting trungpa just uh y-o-u oh sorry f-y-i f-y me i know it's one of those but just if you know what it is and use that I'm not good at sorting things out particularly. But to respond more uh, uh, fully to your question, we, we immediately are, as soon as there's anything that comes up, it's a, there's some kind of self looking for air, looking for oxygen, and it will, it will uh, take anything it can to uh, hang on to its apparent uh, existence reference point. And uh, what, what Rinpoche is apparently doing, as far as I can tell, I wasn't, didn't have a talk with him about it, is to get you to just be just be with whatever's arising rather than look for something else beyond it. It doesn't seem like much. It doesn't seem to have much uh, in the form of ego support. It doesn't have to seem to have much nutrition, first thought, but it has a tremendous amount of space. And those who are in the arts, whatever the arts, I'm uh, not uh, particular, particularly knowledgeable about all arts, but they're all dealing with the same situation form and emptiness, emptiness and form. There's emptiness and then we be- begin to do something in it. And if you try to leave out emptiness, you're going to have a clump of something that's not particularly pleasant to look at, listen to, taste, or feel, because it'll be me, me and what I made. Narcissism manifesting, masquerading as art. Nar- narcissism narcissism masquerading as anything. It's showing up in our so-called politics, self-centeredness. And sometimes it's very, we have the obvious kind, we know about that, but then there's sometimes there's a very, very subtle kind. Sometimes that's even more distasteful because someone actually is using their erudition, their logic, their ability, their skill to present themselves as something as opposed to what you are or what you're presenting yourself as. Attorneys are very, attorneys quite often are, are quite good at using that to get their way or change how something looks to get something to happen. It doesn't make them bad, just makes them attorneys. Yes? What would be the, correct is the right word, way to describe a piece of art that you created for that? Say more, say more. I'm interested in what you said. I want you to say more about it. What I heard you say, or the way I interpreted it, was look what I created, this great piece of art. There's kind of that feeling to it. What would be another way to talk about something that came through you? Don't say anything about it. Something came out, something came through you, then it came through. It really came if it actually is manifest as what we call art. Uh, you, you won't be able to take credit for it. There isn't anyone. So and there isn't there uh, any production that where where someone's claiming ownership or about that. It starts to already kind of not 
smell too good. Even so, though someone is born with a great voice or a great skill, um, if they kind of get off on themselves, it's kind of uncomfortable to be around them more. Other questions? More questions about that? Not about that, but earlier you uh, started to tell us about what is your function as a Dharma teacher. Point to what this is. It's not separate. So I could come up here and I'm going to give a Dharma talk. Nothing is separate. End of talk. How does it teach? By not be, being separate from it and not being particularly uh, getting a credential from that. Would you like to give a Dharma talk? Why not? Scary. A little bit. I'd say it's terrifying up here. I'm not just saying it. The, the, the terror doesn't go anywhere. It's the that he, he, she, they who are terrorized is what begins to come apart. But the terror doesn't necessarily leave. Maybe there, it may not. You're going to get your chance pretty soon. I could put you on the spot any day. I could call you. <laughs> I could call you at three in the morning and say you're giving a, you're giving a Dharma talk at seven a.m. You told me that about four. Oh. How's that feel? Or reading every single day for months. Mm-hmm. What? Hmm? You said that. What? You said? No. No, I was pointing. Oh, I thought you were pointing at her. Right, she's not going to help you. <laughs> she, she has enough difficulty with her own Dharma talks, I think. Don't you? If you don't. Huh? You mean terror? Yeah, terror. A little bit of yikes. Yeah. Yikes, people are going to listen to me and evaluate me, possibly. Is that like, a, <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a Jack Russell terror? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Jack Russell terror. <laughs> they always bite. <laughs> That's very funny, actually. Let's see who's not grinning. Yes. So you say, you talk about, you don't know if there's terror or not terror, but mm-hmm. let's say there is terror if you're going to give a Dharma talk. Mm-hmm. If, the, if, if the terror is so demanding of the attention, how do, how do, how do you practice, uh, if the words still have to come out, how do you switch your allegiance towards what might come out of your mouth instead of the terror? No, the only place your allegiance should be is on the space in which things occur. And that's... If, there, if there's a self-centeredness there, that can be frightening. It's not to say that you can't polish and become a sophisticated presenter of anything, either art or dharma or anything. You can become very sophisticated. And in other words, very skilled in that. Did you say that you're skilled in doing that? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you ever been in a situation where you were intimidated by a group and you just nothing came out of your mouth? Yes, in uh, 1981, I was in front of a group of 200 people and supposed to talk about Buddhism. I only found out three minutes before I had to do that. <laughs> I wasn't able to talk. That's when I found out that knees actually do bang together if you're standing up. It's not just something somebody said. It's good if you have a lectern to hang on to. That was terrifying because of the fear of being judged by others. No matter how wonderful your intentions, no matter what, if, you know, if you you're in front of people who you presume are judging you. But then you find out that they're so full of themselves. <laughs> and they have so much going on with themselves, they can't actually see you. You could actually leave. Uh, some. You could actually just stand there and just look at them. They would still be look, seeing what they think they see. They don't really see you. You don't really see me. I'm checking right now. Yes and no. So we, we often see, our, see what we think is out there as other 
beings and people in space and the world and life and death and all the relative stuff. So yes, we're, we're magnetized by that. But the fundamental nature of that is unreal. Anne Marie from Santa Fe has a question. She asks, why give Dharma talks if it is not important for the receiver to understand? It is important for the receiver to understand, but it takes time for that to occur. They have to go through a lot of misunderstanding. That's what's that's called learning, but it's learning on a, on a you could say, a, a higher plane, a more refined plane than just plus and minus, like computers, zeros and ones. I look at you because that's the last time I heard that. It doesn't mean that that's like low, not low. It's just that it's a, it leaves that area. So that's why we, we have a, a book study where we're studying material. That's why I invited Bruce to come and confuse you every Friday. Or not. Maybe you're, maybe you're following along with exactly what he's saying. And Marie has a follow-up question. So um, why give Dharma talks if it is not important for the receiver to understand or to check with the receiver slash listener if they are connecting with what is being said or if there might be a more skillful mean? To, uh, to check with the, the student. Well, I think what she's saying, to, she's asking is, there a need to check with a student, or is she saying there is a need to check with a student to see if they're understanding? Is that? Yeah, I think it belongs with the whole. Uh, the first question. Yeah. Uh, why yeah. check? Yeah. Is it is it necessary to check with the receiver? No. From from this uh, from this understanding here, no. no. And and that necessary word is my word, so she might want to clarify. It's, yeah. You can you can ask another question. Yes. But along that line, I guess it's it's um, sometimes it feels like I really want somebody to desperately understand what I'm saying and I'm looking for some kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. So is, how would we know if someone sees what I'm intending? Would you ask me? It's, I guess the, the word would be, is it necessary for feedback from someone that we're trying a, to communicate? A little bit, but it, it's not exactly like a little bit, but it's difficult to elaborate on the way in which that works. It's not, it's not just like, I understood what you said. That was a really helpful. That was a great Dharma talk. So I, I want I want to hear. I want feedback. But the feedback that I want isn't is I just want to hear if I ask someone about it or if someone comes and offers me something about it. It's actually more about what's happening with them rather than what I did or didn't do. I'm always giving terrible Dharma talks. If I could give a good Dharma talk, everyone would awaken. Are our questions feedback? Exactly. You can tell about. A person's question, the way a person asks a question, and you all should be doing this, asking questions, uh, lets me know, and probably anyone who teaches the, the Buddha Dharma, uh, about the way in which you don't understand what's being taught more. No, she did. She said that what we've been talking about is what she had intended. Um, but I'm curious about the need for uh, feedback from the person that we're having a conversation with or a discussion, however. The conversation is a little bit... It feels very self-centered. What does? To ask or, or need some kind of feedback. Might be. So if in the feedback that's given, do you as a Dharma teacher then alter what you are going to Possibly, say? Possibly, but not, in, not necessarily in the way that would be presumed. Like, I'm going to change my, the way I'm talking about this so people can understand better. Not exactly like that. And if, if, if it is true, which it is, that self, the ego, is unreal, then 
we don't have to be too concerned about it, what it's doing, whether it's functioning in this direction or this direction. So it's not, not about getting rid of being someone different or trying to be a less uh, egotistical or egocentric or self-centered person. Quite often people run into that, they start to sense their self-centeredness and rather than just be that so that you, so that you, so that you can eventually see in 10 minutes, 10 years that that's unreal. You're, if you're not going to be able to see that it's unreal, if you keep trying to cover it up and trying to look like you're not self-centered or try to get rid of the self-centeredness, trying to get rid of something that is unreal is uh, circular. Yes? What is real? I don't know. Do you know? Just process six senses and our, mm. our world. Mm, okay. It's a, it's, I'm not trying to um, devalue what you're asking. It's a, it's a good question. What is real? It's, it's always getting its meaning from its opposite, what is unreal. And we, we have a presumption about what's real and what's unreal. But the, but the discovery of that is, is your situation, not where you find out what's real and, or I find out what's real or anyone finds, it, finds out what is real and, and we uh, hand it to somebody else. On the other hand, if you have a perception of what is true or what is real, you may, you may be tongue-tied. You may not, you may not know how to do that or how to present that. And until you actually realize uh, more deeply that uh, what is what is already the case. This is why we have teachings like Dzogchen or Mahamudra or the Great Perfection. There isn't anything else to do. You want some help with that? Absolutely. You're looking at it. You're looking at it now when you go to your car, you drive down the road, when you look at your neighbor's fence, speaking of your personal situation, you're looking at that. And what is the, the delusion is what you're looking at. And, and that which is uh, looking at that, that's the delusion. And the reality is not separate. And it's just a statement that it completely collapses as soon as you say it. So we continue to look at the separation. We continue to look at the thoughts arise. We continue to look at the masquerade, the, the shenanigans of, of the self-centeredness, trying to be somebody. And everyone is doing it in their own particular, their own particular uh, cookbook, chemistry. Yes. You'd see, you. You'd see yourself just a way of talking about it. We're talking about metaphors and images. So another way of saying that is you, you wouldn't see anything separate. Another way of saying that is you wouldn't see anything because you, you can't see, uh, you can't see what it's seeing. You can't, whatever is seeing, if it's true that it's not separate, then whatever is seeing, it's true that whatever is seeing is, uh, the observer is uh, not separate or is the observed. And, and then we're coming back to the teaching of, uh, his Holiness Karmapa, the 16th, who said, uh, nothing happens. So he was saying that from the point of view of ultimate reality. I, that's how it looks. So we have, a, we have, a, we have an insight. If you know, if you contemplate that a little bit, nothing happens. It, it immediately takes us into, at least it does for me, into all the things that are happening. It's like, it's like how can you say that? Everything's happening. But that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about some other situation where nothing is happening. It's called transcendence. And, and what is transcended? The separation, relative truth to absolute truth. The ego that makes us think something's happening? Yeah, self-centeredness. It's like someone, something that can be threatened. Something like if I, anyone, not just Shoka, but I, if, I, if I say to anyone here, especially those of you who have received Jukai, um, if I say, I don't want to give a Dharma talk today, you give it. If you said, well, I don't know what to talk about. I say, well, talk about the five skandhas. Talk about the Four Noble Truths. Talk about suffering. Talk about negativity. Talk about working with negativity. That's really a good one. Anybody that's been meditating for a while knows something about that. Probably know a lot more about it than you think you do. 
but it could be pretty scary to do that because <coughs> other people who have also been looking at this for a while and thinking about it are listening to you, watching you, and you're up here with no notes. Of course, you could borrow who knows she raised. Mm -hmm. what? After this, they are. They are? You have to say them. I'm saying notes. <laughs> who knows? Yes. Anne Marie has another question. That Anne Marie, she's quite the question. She asks um, As teachers, the goal is for the teachings to land. Why wouldn't we want to change up teachings to be more skillful and uh, land? Um, yeah. uh, Anne Marie, that's, uh, that, there's an aspect of teaching that does work that way, but it's uh, relative. And uh, one may teach in that way, just like you say, uh, teach about the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness. So if you're teaching that, you could work with a person to, to uh, help them understand that uh, form, uh, the, the actual form is a, a part of our, our <coughs> self-centeredness. Uh, and then feeling, perception, and the other consciousness parts are feeling, perception, uh, concept, consciousness, or whatever word you want to use there. And so there, there are, so you could go in and, and do it in a relative way and make sure the person understands. But if you're, if you're endeavoring to uh, teach uh, the ultimacy, if you're endeavoring to point out what this actually is fundamentally, then um, uh, it may not be able to have a, a SAT test or something to make sure that you've got it. Yes. Another follow-up question. Uh, as the Buddha understood more and more, he wanted others to understand more. How did he teach the mundane and the extraordinary without getting feedback from the Sangha? Well, we got a lot of feedback. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, the teachings down through the centuries go through all kinds of changes. He was talking to, as it were to uh, trust the history, he was talking to thousands and thousands of people. And he was in his teachings as, if you read them, like we've studied here, the, the Agamas, Majjhima Nikaya, Samyutta Nikaya, if you read those, you find that, he, that he, his way of teaching was to repeat something over and over and over again. It wasn't much in the way of uh, writing things down, as far as I know, just memorizing more questions. Uh, not yet. So I'm not taking away, I'm not saying that we shouldn't understand what the different concepts and try to remember what they are and, and apply them or use them, but the concepts in Buddhism are taking us on, that's why it's called the broken down into sections. Uh, um, well, you could, it depends on what form you want to use. Hinayana Mahayana Vajrayana is one of them that Tibetans use, or uh, um, uh, uh, Shravakayana, Pratyekabuddhayana, Bodhisattvayana. That's another three ways of teaching this. One is not right, uh, it's not right and wrong, it's just a, a structure. So yes, you might want to uh, talk about those structures and help someone understand that. So there might be, uh, there's some conceptual um, model or structure that probably you could uh, get some feedback on or you could interact with someone around those. Yes? She says, I am confused. Good. Why did I say that? Why, why would I say, good, go ahead. I heard earlier that to ask if we are understood is narcissistic and is not encouraged. <laughs> Thus, how to teach without coming from ego? It's not a problem to, the idea of ego, ego is unreal. So it's not about getting rid of it, it's about seeing that it's unreal. If you're, try, if you're trying to get rid of it, then this is delusion. <clears throat> Sometimes when you teach, you will be on some, talking about something and you say, do you follow me a little bit? Mm -hmm. So isn't that asking for yeah, feedback? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, that's when I'm feeling particularly lost. When you 
It's not doctrinal or provisional. You're doing pointing out, teaching, and you say everything I say is a lie. So how the words come up could sound very different, trying to point the same. Could be. So if, would you ever switch up how you're saying it based on somebody's response to do you? I'm doing it all the time. As I've somewhat sometimes said, I don't know what I'm going to say till I come in here and sit down. It's a little difficult today because I was having my difficulty with my blood sugar, which is uh, confusing. So I might have a talk title, but often I've forgotten what it was. I have to ask someone what it is. If they, if they were to say, well, you were going to talk about uh, you know, some, some other teaching, I probably could talk about it. Or not. Maybe I could say, well, I don't remember much about that. So oh, we get some feedback. It's not... Not like I occasionally ask Uno, was that how was that was that talk how did that because sometimes I'll give a talk and I'll feel I'll have a feeling like it was you know like I don't know where I was even going with it and then someone will come oh that was a great talk and then other times I feel like feel like that that talk made some sense I might even go back and even listen to it myself to see when I say make some sense I'm saying it 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 came together as far as how to work with negative energy and the mind in such a way that is. That is that doesn't meddle with it, that doesn't run away from it, and doesn't make it meddle it, make it worse. Passion, aggression, ignorance. How to just be here and work with who, what arises as your emotions, ideas, memories, concepts, all the things that are coming at us and trying to, uh, in a sense, making us feel like we are somebody. We've got to act in a certain way. We've got to do something. Our whole society. To go out into society. Uh, your family, your friends, and have any conversation with anyone, uh, people immediately are interacting on in terms of uh, success and failure and should and shouldn't, and they're happy to lecture you about any number of things based on all kinds of proofs about this and this and this. So uh, this is a situation where the, excuse me, the kind of learning that is being encouraged that I'm endeavoring to in encourage people is to find out who you are. It's, and, and, and all of the, the provisional teachings are very helpful. They give us a structure. When we have our book studies eight times a week, they give us a way of working with each other, Sangha, a community of other people that are trying to understand. You'll notice the way they're understanding something is different than that. I mean, and you can see other people's self-centeredness. Have you noticed that? You can see if you sit down and talk for any length of time, your particular brand of self-centeredness is going to arise. This including me. I'm not like not self-centered at all. So you can see that. And those of you who are really close, like uh, Uno is with me all the time, sees my uh, self-centeredness come and go, wouldn't you say? Oh. So this is unreal. So you don't have to correct anything, fix anything. And if you see what this is, and you see that other people are trapped by their self-centeredness, it, it's, I don't mean to simplify it too much because it takes so much work, then, then you, you want to encourage them to uh, to see through that and relax and, and not fight with their world and, and be and work with uh, situations that arise that are really, really sometimes extremely difficult, especially if we're talking about life and death and people losing their uh, their health or losing their friends or losing their relationship that they're so attached to. Losing. That's, and this the way the world is working is so threatening and difficult. It's so, uh, I don't know if you call it tempting, but it's it feels like we're missing something. It feels like we have to get out and do something about all of this. It's so seductive, all the politics, and, and not that we shouldn't do some. That's why I always say, watch the news. Don't don't disconnect and go to the mountaintop and shut down and be separate yourself from the world. Yes? Your self-centeredness on the self. Hmm? Is it reifying anything? Say more. 
I think what happens is you, you see it and, send, and you don't try to get rid of it and you don't add to it, you do nothing with it. And so the particular karma that is expressing it itself as your life, your skin color, uh, your, the shape of your ears is also happening in terms of your mental um, qualities and, and all kinds of karma can be, can be showing up as that. But if there's no one there, there's no solid being there, this doesn't mean there's all kinds of discontinuous things happening. And some of them look like there's somebody, and then, then that tends to wind down, especially if you do nothing with it. If you just look at it, you just look at it, and it wanders away, or it dissolves. Uh, I don't mean to get too romantic about it, but it, but it does. It's, it's, it's just unreal. So, uh, but what is real, uh, and I, I hesitate to say too much about this because it is it's not exactly an experience. As I've said, experiences, there's an experience, it's gone, they come and go. This, when you see it, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. You see what this is, and the reality is it's not separate. Looks, I mean, everything, everywhere looks like separate. The vines on the tree, the birds, the sounds, the, I mean, there's just, you can't count all these things, there's too many of them. I mean, you could just spend the rest of your life just cutting, uh, just counting uh, uh, mice. Count the mice in our house. <laughs> your life would come to an end before you finish. <laughs> So, but not, but it's so it's so convincing that there's so many separate things, and part of the part of what makes it even worse is the those who want to control the apparent separations come in and make rules about everything. It says in the sutras, don't set up standards. It doesn't mean don't have guidelines and don't have respect for other people, of course. But when we when we lock down on like cement blocks between us, where we can't, there's no breathing there. We have difficulty with one person, so we want more rules there and not so much difficulty with others, so there's less rules. It's a, it's a challenging area. <clears throat> Time for more questions? Or... Yes, David. Is, is there an intimacy that happens with the yeah, there's You mean inti intimacy with others or with yourself? Uh, with those self-centered negativity over positivity. I think so. I think, I think that's, and that's a very good word. Everything is... Is separate, but it's it's uh, it's be, uh, everything is separated because of the understanding that, that things are fundamentally not separate. Then there's a tremendous intimacy because the the, the combination of the apparent separation and uh, and the, the understanding that things are not separate at the same time. It's called in the Indian tradition uh, Advaita or non-duality. It's, it's this is not this is outside of Buddhism. People have been seeing this, uh, all kinds of spiritual paths. The indigenous people, as far as we know, uh, had, a, had, a, had an understanding of this. Shamanistic practices has this, has, can have this kind of understanding. And it also can go in another route, just like Buddhism can go in a route that's like, come on, let's, let's come back to what the Buddha was talking about instead of creating some kind of other structure to things that everybody should be following, towing the line. More questions around this are, are really good to have them. Yes. When we see ourselves or anything, to do. absolutely yes. Just watch it. Don't correct anything. Be be a fool. Just have a willingness to to just watch yourself do that forever. It's like it's like a feeling. I don't ever have to get better. I don't have to ever improve. I don't ever have to be a person who doesn't fill up things or doesn't fill up space. I don't have to be that. I can I can just be this. Be genuine. And that genuineness, because we are embodied as human beings, may involve. May, but for the capital Y, 
may involve your karma, be who you are, be, manifest your karma. I don't say, if you feel like murdering someone, go out and do that because you need to manifest your karma. That's self-centeredness operating in a, an extremely aggressive and like the people who go and shoot people. It's just like, it just gets the best of them. And they're not, they're not evil. There's just extreme suffering going on and they, they just can't stand the suffering anymore. And so they project the suffering that they're having out on the world and then they go shoot it. That's how you get rid of it. You, if you intense projection on other or intense projection on the other, you get a divorce. Intense projection on other, you, uh, you avoid them. There's just so many ways that that shows up. Yes. Is space that's seen being filled up actually being filled up? It doesn't matter. So it doesn't, maybe, maybe not, maybe a little bit, maybe three gallons, but no more. You know, you could get into the, if you get into that part of it, I'm not, I'm not saying that your question isn't valid, but what, what if I respond to it in as a uh, positive or negative or anything, uh, rather than just saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying the area that what you're looking at is, is to see if something is actually occurring. And so the, everything, all of that is transcended. So it may be being filled up. It may, space is, uh, is a concept of space. There's a concept of filling. There's a concept of up, more. Does nothing happen look like movement? Yeah. <laughs> All this movement. Yes. More? Chazan. I had a question about something Bruce said on yes. when you know, were better because we talked about it, but it was something along the line. Communication begins after conceptualization. Is that what I was wondering? It's easy to understand how we can uh, work on our verbal communication skills, mm -hmm. but how can we work on non-conceptual communication? So what was it he said? He said communication begins after the conceptualization. Hmm. I, don't, I don't follow what he's saying there, do you? It just seems that... Uh, so you have to think about it before you can communicate it? No, it's, I thought he was saying that the real communication is beyond exchange of concepts. Oh, okay, yes. And I'm just wondering how to begin to, I don't know how to say, but the prioritize of work. With I can help them. you. Yeah. It's, 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 a not, it's not, we look for something, we look for phenomena, instead of seeing that it is, it is the not knowing part, is a completely open dimension of being. There's nothing, there's, the only thing there is to really know is, is, is this. So go ahead. When I'm like right now communicating with you and you're responding to my question, is there a way for me to receive the nonsense because it seems that I'm listening and interpreting, trying to understand? Is that your question? Yes. Just keep doing that. There's nothing to correct. Beyond receive them? Um, from the point of view of the path, no. So as I've said many times, especially lately, give everything your attention and then whatever is moving towards you, receive it. And without any, without putting any barnacles on it, I'll put your thought patterns on top of the thing before it even gets into your craw, as if it were a um, sea bass. You know, you're you're receiving, you're receiving. Things are coming to coming. This comes and that comes and this is coming. But when we think about this. I don't like this. I like that. But I don't like this. What is the communication that you're having back? And you only receive listening, just receiving. You you may say something, you you may not. But the important thing is to actually receive what is happening. And to receive what is happening may consist of not knowing what you're receiving. Uh, a, good, a good example of this uh, would be go to your most intimate relationship that, where you think you know what the other person is saying. Your, your, your spouse or your, someone you're really close to. And, and watch through your awareness practice. Notice the degree to which you, I'm not accusing you of anything. I mean, I'm just su suggesting you could use... You could, 
You just bring awareness to that situation and notice how you project onto that, that you don't actually receive what's coming uh, toward you fundamentally, because you think you know what it is before it even, you think you know who and what that person is saying or is doing or what their motives are, everything about you have a whole, practically a soap opera. Perhaps, I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything, I'm saying, listen to someone as if you've, you don't even know them, as if you've never heard, don't, don't attribute any past to anything. Just, if you're, if you're here, if you're in, in the present, then you won't know what to do next, and you won't mind. Yes? Do we all need surprise? Um, it's not, it's not a should thing, like, should, damn it, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> Our surprises always happen. Yeah, things are surprising, but they may not show up as some kind of expression of, oh my, that's just so amazing. I can't believe that that person is the way they are. I thought they were this way, and here they are. You know, I'm looking at the Buddha all the time. Surprising. So I don't mean to make light of what you're saying. Yes, there's a little bit of that, but it's it's more of like a, maybe your head might turn a little bit, but not not something you would tell somebody you were surprised. You just might notice that things are not what they seem to be. If you look closely at anything that's, that's if you give it your attention and you watch it move toward, toward you, it's, it's two things at once. And this is also called not two. It's completely bizarre and it's absolutely ordinary at the same time. This is called, uh, um, in the Tibetan tradition, co-emergence. Confusion and awakening arise at the same time. It's just a way of saying it, so it's a, it's an easy way of saying it because it's a relative way of saying it. But what they're actually saying is you're looking at the confusion, you're looking at the awakening, and they're not separate because the no separation extends to everything you can find and everything you can't you can't find. So it's completely thoroughly wipes out uh, any kind of uh, territoriality. You know, if you wanted to say it uh, uh, this way, you could say there isn't anything that you that isn't you. There isn't anything you don't own. You can't steal because everything belongs to you. But then the precept, uh, if you notice, if you read the precepts, it, it acknowledges that. It's, a, it's like saying there's only one life which is unkillable. But it's not saying, you, you know, to go the other way. It's just saying, bear that in mind. And that everything, uh, but everything is in its own right place. And don't move anything from one place to another, like money from somebody's pocket to your pocket. Everything's exactly where it needs to be. Don't take what is not given. This is a very hard concept for me as a, a child thief. I mean, as I get, looking back on it, I, sometimes I look back and I think that that was a really bizarre form of confusion to actually think that other people had things that I needed, like money or uh, speedball pens. I never stole one of those, by the way. Just thought about it. Yes. Is there a receiving that happened when you're the one that's speaking? There can be, because because maybe not the cause, but as you're speaking, you're actually receiving what you're saying. I sometimes say half jokingly and, and the other half jokingly is uh, I hear what I'm saying at the same time you do. But I don't, that's why I don't, if I had notes up here, I'd be totally confused. What was the fourth conda? You read that? <laughs> so I'm not saying that I can't teach that. I could, I could teach, uh, sometimes do. But yes, you'd be receiving your own mental mind stream. You'd watch your mind stream flow. You could actually learn from what you already know, you already understand. This is why it's called the Great Perfection, or uh, uh, Zogchen, because those who have worked and worked for their whole life, or however you want to say it, and have, un have come to some kind of un fundamental understanding of what this is, that's 
that's the kind of teaching that starts to come out, like like with Long Champa. What a, you know, read three or four pages of Long Champa, and even though it's translated, you're listening to somebody who really has a deep understanding of what 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 is happening here. And yet, he, all he's really saying is, "It's already here. You don't have anything else to do. Everything, any your most negative uh, feeling thought is uh, the great perfection. Nothing to correct. Nothing to fix. No longer objecting. Sometimes we have a uh, practice, uh, thank you very much, have no complaints whatsoever. Uh, the other way of doing it is uh, when negativity comes up, say to yourself, I don't care if this ever leaves. I, I, whoever I am, whatever this is, I'm fine if I feel depressed every morning from now on. Do it for all beings. Deal with the negativity because there are other people that are pushing the negativity out with such force they're taking other people's lives. They can't stand the negativity. You could do uh, the opposite of that. This is the path of the Bodhisattva, or the awakening being, or the, of someone working on the path of the Buddha. Be with all things. Yeah. What is the opposite of receiving? Uh, not receiving, shutting down, ignoring, <coughs> adding. When somebody comes to you, instead of that, you add a bunch of things onto it, what it is, rather than receive it as it is. Making up stuff based on hope and fear, based on uh, wanting things to be different than they are. Um. In thinking about communicating without concept, I think about an um, exercise I do with drawing students and have done for 20 years where they sit opposite one another in yeah. pairs and do blind contours of one another, um, looking at each other yes. for 10 minutes. And especially recently, the resistance to that from the students is intense. Yes. And Make them I, do it anyway. Right, I do. Yeah, good. But it's getting like... But... My question is, what is that? What is that? It's, it's a fear. Of? Fear of losing control, not being in control, because uh, I've, well, we've all done blind condor drawings. have been around for a long time. It's a very good thing to uh, teach. You're looking at something and you're drawing something you can't see. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, but they're looking, they're yeah. sitting very close and looking. But I mean, you can't they, see what you're drawing. Right. Yeah. So you're looking at it and you're doing a contour out of feel. Yeah. The thing that makes them uncomfortable is the looking. Ah, uh, it's because these—you uh, look in someone's eyes. There's something about someone's eyes. We, uh, this is apparent all the time. You don't have to look in their eyes. You can look at the back of their head as they're, as they're walking away. But there's some—we're uh, looking at someone's uh, uh, deep uh, consciousness is, is manifesting with everyone all the time. So we—and we, we, people can see us. We're all—not uh, all of us, but most of us. Me especially, hiding out from everything. And when someone looks at you, uh, you feel kind of like you want to cover up, or can I put on a raincoat or something? So I think it's a so, uh, ten minutes. Uh, so the way you could work with that is is have people uh, do, put it in a graduated thing. Say, okay, well, if this is difficult, we won't have you do it quite as long. You find that no, no, I can probably do the ten minutes. But as soon as they find out they don't have to do it, that they can do uh, eight minutes. Yeah, well, give me all my eight-minute people. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm just an eight-minute person. <laughs> so you can work with that, and you're still you're still working with someone's self-centeredness, but in the way where they they they'll more likely move into the awareness practice and opt for the awareness practice, which is what it is, rather than the, the self-centered. I don't want to do this. Or the, the fear part. More. I guess I in thinking about it. And the question comes up, is it, is it more frightening to look at someone or to be looked at by someone? And why is that? Is it more frightening to... To look, look at, at someone. Yeah. 
were to be looked at, or can you look at someone without being looked at? You probably can't, so it's the same. I think, I think you can. I think you can. One of the practices we do here, I work, if I'm working with a, a people where there's a, a couple or people that are in close relationship, or people that are not, or just a temple residents where they're having some difficulty communicating, I sometimes say, uh, not all the time, but say sit down and spend a, a minute or two minutes, which is a long time, uh, just looking in each other's eyes before you start to have your discussion. And then we do it formally. You sit in a symmetrical situation, you bow to the other person, and then you look at the other person for a minute, two minutes, or whatever you decide ahead of time. And then one of the people starts to say, maybe when you do this, that you know, that's difficult for me to work with. And then, then there, the, the openness has been presented first, the receiving of the other person's uh, gaze and the receiving of of your own tendency to project onto the other person because you're seeing the projection more than likely than the other person. So isn't that, isn't that communicating without concept? Doing that? What you thought was yeah, but, but you're doing it even if you're not. We're communicating without concepts right now all the time, everywhere. Communication is, uh, what's the word for it? Rampant. <laughs> Communication being uh, the exchange, things going this way and that way. All kinds of things are happening, but yeah, that would be a kind of a kind of uh, bring it into a form and giving it a particular structure and everything. Where you look at the other person, then uh, might be more a more obvious form of it. Not really language, but something's true. Yeah. It, it doesn't last. That's the interesting thing about it. When you look in someone's eyes, you you may get self conscious, and then you may get kind of uh, mesmerized by their eye color for half a second, and then it may go back to seeing a silhouette and then it may go to then you might be looking at them and actually um bail and be thinking about your grocery list and then you look back and they're still looking at you <laughs> so could be anything like that but all of it is is part of just just being here and working with others working with ourselves endeavoring to be kind and understanding to others even though they may not always present themselves in a way that's easy to work with Shoto. Is color communicating with us, with our eyes? Color? Yeah, we're always receiving colors, shapes, sounds. If you're, if you're in here sitting and, uh, in the afternoon and suddenly you hear a fire engine uh, or emergency vehicle go and there's a loud siren, you, you, if you're, doing not, you're not doing much but just sitting here and you've been sitting for a while and you're just receiving whatever's coming and going, it's very... Um, it's very intrusive in one way, and but it's, it really shows you how, how wide your mind is. It's like if you're sitting facing a wall and, uh, and the, you're not aware of the time and you're, you, know, you may be daydreaming, you may be just maybe any number of uh, ways of describing your state or your consciousness. There are times when someone strikes a gong and we jump, and there are times, times when we strike the gong and we just feel that. You feel that the spaciousness of that sound. Because, you're, because you were sitting there and without knowing it, because there isn't any way you can know about that, uh, well, because you are that. So, there, so that's you're, you realize you're not really separate from that sound. You're not separate from anything that's happening. That's a fairly good example of it. Quite happens, uh, the, the obvious one that everybody knows about is music. We hear music and it totally changes our whole, it might be something where we kind of like that kind of music. I gotta get out of here. Or it might be something that, that changes our mood, brings us into uh, a particular uh, mood. Are we at the end? We're at the end. This is the end. You don't get to ask me anything else. Okay, thank you so much.